Hello and welcome back into a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. As always, I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. You can find me on Twitter at TJ McBride MBA, and you can find Mile High Sports on Twitter at Mile High Sports. For any kind of Colorado sports coverage that you may be looking for, it does live on MileHighSports.com. They cover everything that happens in the Rocky Mountain area, so anything that you're looking to you know, get more interested in, get a little bit more knowledge based on whether it's Rockies, Broncos, Nuggets, like I'm talking about today, the Avalanche, the altitude streaming issues, all of these different topics that are swirling around the Colorado community as it pertains to sports will be covered on Mile High Sports. So make sure to go check it out over there and read as much as you can. Uh, today, though, I'm going to dive into some to a Nuggets question that is very important to how this season will end up unfolding for the Denver Nuggets, and that is who is going to start at small forward, and then what and what options do they have, and how do those options change the overall look of that Nuggets starting group? Um, overall, I would say there's four different players. Will Barton, Tory Craig, Michael Porter Jr., and Juancho Hernan Gomez, who could all potentially make a run at that starting small forward position, and all of them just bring such different skills to the table. So because of that, I wanted to kind of just outline what those different skills were, what the Nuggets starting unit would look like with, with each different player on the court, and kind of just go from there to get a better idea of what the field looks like for the Denver Nuggets. So we're going to get into a lot of that. I also took a ton of questions from fans um, of the Nuggets and listeners of the show, and I'm going to dive into all of those as well. I got like eight questions in addition to like the six I got about Michael Porter Jr. in particular. So going to be a jam-packed show. It might be a long one. I really want to go into a lot of detail about each of these players and how they fit with this Nugget starting group and what they can add and what potentially they can take away that is already in that, um, you know a positive for that Denver Nugget starting unit. So it's going to be a very fun show. I can't wait to get into it. Thank you guys for sticking around all off-season as I continually put out these podcasts. It's been a lot of fun. Um, but before we go any further, i got to give some love to the Regulators Production Group. They are the ones who made the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast. Podcast. They do great work. Um, you can find them at Regulators Regime on Instagram, and you can also reach out to Rod Simba on Instagram. That's R O D S Y M B A for any kind of audio production needs you may have. They do great work. They do um, they do a ton of like introductory music and things like that for a lot of different podcasts throughout the sports media industry. So take some time to go look them up on Instagram. And also the benefactor of this show, the presenting sponsor, is Terrapin Care Station for all of your cannabis goods. Make sure you find your way to, ter- to a Terrapin Care Station near you in the Denver metro area. So before we go any further, here's a quick word from Terrapin. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com.
like I was saying, we're going to get into each potential uh, candidate to start at the small forward position for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I'm going to talk specifically about Will Barton, Torrey Craig, Michael Porter Jr., and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Before I dive into this, though, I can already hear my mentions going crazy with people yelling about the fact that I did not include Malik Beasley into this conversation. I personally do not think Malik Beasley is ready for a starting role. I think his defense is far too, um, I guess, just behind everybody else, even when taken into account Will Barton and Juancho Hernan Gomez. So I think that Malik Beasley has a bit further to go before we can really start making those kinds of conversations about him. That being said, Malik could have a very big start to this year, and it would not surprise me. And if he does, he could force that conversation to be had at a later date. I do not believe he can come out of camp as the starting small forward. That would be extremely surprising. It's not out of the question, but I would be pretty stunned if that happened. So Malik Beasley is not going to be included in this conversation just because I just don't feel he's close enough to really be a part of this conversation. Um, the reason that I picked other players were just because I feel like they have a some kind of advantage in some way. So let's just dive into it and let's just start with Will Barton, everyone's favorite polarizing Denver Nuggets player. In my opinion, Will Barton is the likely starter once we get to game one to start out the 2019-20 Nuggets season. It just makes the most sense. He's the most, um, he has the most time spent with the rest of the starting unit. He has had an ability to grow with Nikola Jokic. He's the second longest tenured player on this Nuggets roster. In addition to that, he's the emotional heartbeat of this team. And there are so many offensive skills that he brings to the table. So let's go step by step. First and foremost, he is a triple threat offensive player as a wing or a guard. He can dribble, he can pass, he can shoot. He can really create whatever look that he needs to create just based on how athletic he is, how much of a shake he has, his ability to handle the ball, and his ability to stretch the floor. He can threaten you in so many different ways offensively. Because of that, Will Barton can fluidly rotate between an initiator like a point guard or an off-ball scoring threat or somebody who's coming off the screen to get the ball moving downhill. He has so many things that he can do that you can really just run Will Barton as a point guard, run a dribble handoff with him and Nikola Jokic, have him move off-ball, have him rotate back around the wing and come back up and take another, another dribble handoff after Jamal Murray or Gary Harris had already run a two-man set with Nikola Jokic and just keep that offense constantly moving. I've spoken about this at length before, but I think having three players, three wing players um, who can play on the perimeter and can run a dribble handoff and can dribble pass and shoot with Nikola Jokic essentially makes this Nuggets offense almost unguardable. Every offense is somewhat guardable um, in some capacity, but when you really start talking about running Jamal Murray in a dribble handoff, having the defense collapse, kick it out, have Nikola Jokic run another dribble handoff after already sucking the defense in prior to it, and then being able to pull up from three, drive back downhill, collapse the defense again and just keep that offense moving, there's no way to have a consistent advantage against that style of offense, especially considering just how dominant Nikola Jokic is as the engine of that offense. Having a player like Torrey Craig or Juancho Hernan Gomez, you do not have that same ability. Maybe they have it in some capacities, in some different ways, but you cannot run virtually any offensive set like they can with Will Barton. So that's a really important part of this. The fact that the Nuggets offense can just continually keep functioning is something that will make Denver so unguardable and they'll tire teams out. It's very difficult to defend for 18 seconds of a shot clock and give up a bucket when the ball is moving the way that Denver can do it, and adding Will Barton to that equation is going to make them even more deadly in that way. So I do think that just the 
just his offensive versatility as a player. The fact that he can shoot off ball, the fact that he can shoot with the ball in his hands, the fact that he can shoot off movement, the fact that he can shoot as just a pure catch-and-shoot spot-up guy, the fact that he can break down a defense as a driver, whether it's in isolation or with a screen, the fact that he can really go get his own shot in isolation when the Nuggets offense may stall out. There's so many things offensively that he can do to be able to give the Nuggets so much more breathing room than they originally had. Um, In addition to that, my next point that I would make, other than the fact that he's a triple threat offensive player is that the stats have backed up the fact that with Barton at small forward, the Nuggets are incredibly strong. Even last year, despite the fact that Will Barton, Paul Millsap, and Gary Harris all miss extended periods of time and never really got a great rhythm underneath them as a unit, they still played 430 minutes together and were still a plus 7.8, which was the second best net rating of teams or of of a five-man group that played at least 100 minutes for the Nuggets. So even with the fact that they were not anywhere near their best with Will Barton out there. They were still putting up extremely good efficiency numbers in terms of just pure net rating. Um, Also, let's take it a step further. In their entire career, that the entire starting five of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic have played together. In those 495 minutes over the past two and a half year or two years with Will or with Paul Millsap here, they have a plus 10.1 net rating, 117.6 offensive rating, 107.5 defensive rating. That's a very, very good mark again. But this is where it gets interesting for me. When you go back and look at 2017-18, and this is when you had a healthier Gary Harris and you had a healthy Will Barton, despite the fact that Paul Millsap three months missed three months with that broken thumb, they were a plus 35.7 in terms of net rating with that starting five in 2017-18. They had a 129.7 offensive rating and a 94.1 um, defensive rating. That is a freakishly good efficiency. When you're able to go out and have a plus 35.7 net rating as a starting unit, people are going to get excited. And that was why there was so much excitement heading into last season about what Will Barton starting at small forward could do for the Denver Nuggets. And I really think that the Nuggets are going to have an opportunity to finally run this back, finally have guys healthy. And they do now have the chemistry between all of them to where they can hit the ground running with Will Barton as a starting small forward, despite the fact that he was benched in the playoffs and was not very good when he came back from his injury last year. So that the stats have shown that this does work. And while the defensive numbers may not be as consistent as that, I think it'd be much closer to that 107.5 that they were last year um, as a yeah, as a five-man unit, but they can they're so potent offensively in terms of statistical breakdowns that they can out pace almost every team around them with Will Barton on the floor with the rest of their starters. So I do believe that the stats back this up, and I think that's an important distinction to make. Um, The third thing I have on this was that they have an end-of-shot clock score. As of right now, Jamal Murray has proven that he can do it in spurts, but he's too inconsistent and disappears too randomly to really rely on him as a guy to bail you out when the offense does not function on a possession and you're getting low on the shot clock. Will Barton has proven that he can do that. As I said before, he has the shake, he has the handles he has the scoring touch and he has the athletic ability to go get his shot whenever he needs to he's a very smart player in that way and I'm very curious if having him in there will just give the Nuggets that extra level of isolation scoring on top of Nikola Jokic on top of Paul Millsap on top of Jamal Murray who are all good but not great in their own regards to be able just to make them that much more difficult to defend even in end of shot clock situations um 
The other thing that I think is very important, this is the fourth, and I have five notes that I have for pros for Will Barton as in, um, as it pertains to him as a starting small forward, but he's the perfect safety valve for Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. Jamal Murray is not a pure point guard. He has taken, you know, some pretty substantial leaps forward in terms of his ability to be a creator with the ball in his hands as a pure point guard type player, um, but he's not where he needs to be yet, and Gary Harris is not either. Being able to have Will Barton out there to where you can run him as a point guard if Jamal Murray or Gary Harris are struggling with the ball in their hands or a Patrick Beverly is just smothering them or whatever the circumstances may be to be able to allow them to play off ball, to get their looks coming off of screens, to get their looks in catch and shoot situations and things like that to get them into a rhythm. The Nuggets did not have that with Torrey Craig last year. The Nuggets did not have that with Juancho Hernan Gomez. There wasn't a wing player outside of Will Barton who was really able to take the ball and take pressure off of Jamal Murray and Gary Harris like that. I wish that we could have seen more Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, three guard lineups, because I think you could have gotten a similar um, just safety valve for those guys. But Will Barton, being that he's six foot six, being that he's a freak athlete that was able to, you know, actually compete in a dunk contest, he is such a, you know, vertical, explosive athlete. Adding him to that mixture with all of the skills that he has is just the perfect, it just takes so much pressure off of Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. The last thing is, too, is that Will Barton is sometimes perceived as a guy who is selfish and turns the ball over a little bit too much and things like that, and I'm here to debunk that. He has basically averaged one and a half turnovers a game for the majority of his career. You're talking the last five years, basically. In addition to that, he's had the second or third best turnover to assi- or assist to turnover ratio on the team in, in his time in Denver as well, and his... Uh, usage percentage has never been over 21% in Denver. I don't understand this idea that Will Barton's quote-unquote selfishness as a player and the fact that he is um, just kind of gets this tunnel vision, according to some people, leads to him not being a helpful player on the floor. I don't agree with that statement. I don't think that, that is who he is, and I think that he deserves more credit as a creator, as a selfless player on the floor, and more credence given to him that he has to go get his shot sometimes when the Nuggets offense stalls out. So I do think those are extremely important factors to put into this. He is not a ball hog. He is not as selfish as people are making him out to be. And there's a lot of, um, I guess, negative attention on him because of what happened last year with the fact that he had his first major injury and it hurt him to the uh, to the point where he wasn't able to come back quickly and be the force that he once was. He told me when I did my podcast with him probably about a month ago that the way he described it was all these players are not only in midseason form, they're in playoff form when he came back from his injury, but he wasn't even in midseason form. But in addition to that, he wasn't able to get enough looks to get himself into a rhythm, which leads to the fact that he is not able to convert his shots at the same level that he once was. That's a very difficult thing to come back from. It's the same reason that Gary Harris was almost more of a decoy, a purely off-ball player that no offense was ran for him. He wasn't running dribble handoffs with, with Nikola Jokic because he wasn't in playoff form at that point either. So I think that we're perceiving uh, Will Barton at the worst we can possibly perceive him right now, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, Let's talk about the cons, though, because it's not all good and dandy when it comes to Will Barton as that guy. I I know that's not the case. So let's talk about the fact that 
he does not have enough size to defend bigger small forwards and the elite small forwards of the NBA. Those 6'8 plus small forwards who can do a little bit of everything. The Paul Georges, the Kevin Durants, the Giannis's, all of those kinds of big forwards who have these guard skills and are so dominant. Will Barton does not have the physical frame to match up with them. That is 100% true. There is no getting around that fact. The argument I would make is that if you were going to start Will Barton, you're doing it because you're trying to be an offensively minded team from the very beginning of the game. That is how you get into a rhythm very, very quickly that you can sustain for 48 minutes. If you are trying to field a defensive team that make that really grinds games to a halt to, from the start and dictates the pace yourself, then of course it makes sense to not start Will Barton. But I would make the argument that if you're trying to think from an offensive mindset, Will Barton is the guy to go to because Juancho Hernan Gomez, who would be the other guy you'd go to for an offensive mindset at the starting small forward position, is just as bad of a, of a defender as Will Barton is, if not worse. Yes, he's a little bit bigger, which is why he is on this list, but if you're looking for offense, Will Barton brings more to the table while being almost awash when it comes to the defensive potential of him and Juancho Hernan Gomez. So I would say that he is too small to play three, but if you're trying to get offense at the small forward position for what the Nuggets currently have on their roster, Will Barton still makes more sense. Uh, he did show some growth in terms of mental awareness and using his athletic ability on defense in the playoffs. So I want to give him this little bit of credit. It's easy to argue that Wancho and him are the same level defensively, but if Will Barton is able to carry over the defensive impact that he made in the playoffs all the way to the regular season coming up in, a, in the next couple weeks when training camp finally begins and things like that, then this is a very different conversation. But Still, he is a negative on defense, and we can't get around that fact, in addition to the fact that he is also too small to be playing at that position against the bigger, agile, you know, star players that are playing small forward in this day and age of the NBA. So we'll have to wait and see. And the other thing is, is that he needs to prove he can be the Barton from 2017-18. Um, that's going to be a hard thing to do. As I said earlier, there's a lot of conversation about... Just is this the Will Barton that is now going to be? And I don't agree with that. It's it's unfair for someone who had their very first major injury and has never had surgery, never even had their wisdom teeth taken out, never been under the needle before in their entire life. It's hard to expect them to come back to a team that is rolling towards the playoffs and fall right back into his role as if nothing happened. So he needs to prove that he can be the 2017-18 version of himself. And if he can do that, that is going to be a very important distinction to make as to who Will Barton is and what he can bring to the Denver Nuggets team. Um, and a, a big reason why this is because last year after his injury, his scoring efficiency fell to the floor. So he only played two games before his injury happened and then missed almost the entire season. And when he came back, he only shot 40% from the field and 34% from three. Those numbers have to skyrocket back up. And don't get me wrong. Both of those numbers were as low as they have been since his second year in the league when he was barely playing in Portland. But he has to reprove himself now. And he's ready for that. He told me again in the interview that I did with him when I talked about his album, he told me he understands that he needs to remind people of who he is and what he can do. He knows that he needs to reprove himself in that way, and I do expect him to do so. 
So I guess my take on this is that I just disagree with the notion that Will Barton shoots Denver out of games. I disagree with the notion that he's selfish, and I do think he can get back to the player he was in 2017-18. If those things are true, which don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't know everything. I just believe in these things. If those things are true, Will Barton should be the unquestioned starter at small forward, and that is just where I am currently at. Obviously, we need to see what happens, but as things currently stand, it just makes the most sense for me for Will Barton to be able to be the guy who starts at small forward to start the season next year. Um, okay, that was about 15 minutes just on Will Barton. We got three more players just as it pertains to the small forward position before answering a whole lot of questions. So it is time to dive into Tory Craig as a potential starter at the small forward position. I think the biggest advantage Tory Craig has is that Michael Malone trusts him seemingly with his life. Will Bar Tory Craig is the guy that embodies Michael Malone's spirit on the floor. Just a relentless, um, energetic, crazy, athletic, tough dude who just throws his body around with reckless abandon, does everything he can do to give his team just a little bit of an edge. And of course, Michael Malone being the the kind of coach that he is just eats that stuff up. And then when you start talking about the fact that he was able to hit 40% of his threes in the second half of the season last year, you start having a very different discussion about what Torrey Craig could potentially bring to the starting team as the starting small forward. So let's take this one step at a time again. Let's talk about the pros. If the Nuggets are trying to prioritize defensive output over offensive firepower, Torrey Craig is the one that makes the most sense, full stop. Torrey Craig can switch positions two through four. He can defend shooting guards, small forwards, and power forwards, even some point guards. We remember him obviously guarding Russell Westbrook multiple times. He had his famous block on Drew Holiday that really jump-started his career in the NBA. He can defend, well, he can defend four positions more often than not. So saying two through four is even disingenuous. He can guard one through four. And because of that, when you pair him with Gary Harris, who's the starting sh uh, shooting guard, and Paul Millsap, who's starting at power forward, or Jeremy Grant, regardless of whatever power forward you want to put in there, the Nuggets don't have a, pot a potential to be a good defense. They have a potential to be a very, very strong defense, a top 10 defense. And that is a very, very big deal because the Nuggets, their offense will be top 10 at the worst. They will be in the top 10 because Nikola Jokic is a walking top 10 offense. And when you add the shooting that they have and the athleticism they have and the depth that they have, they're going to be fine offensively. Really, you start talking about the degrees. Are they going to be a top three offense, a top five, or a top 10 offense? Starting Torrey Craig is essentially being like, you know what? We don't need to be a top five offense. I would rather be both a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense. So that's the starting point, is that Torrey Craig is the... Um, he would basically be the symbol for the Nuggets are going to prioritize defense from the very, very start. In addition to that, though, moving from just defense, he is just a hyperactive physical presence, and he can set a tone for the Nuggets very, very quickly as a starter. We saw this in the playoffs when he was able to come in and, and begin starting against the Spurs, was able to really swallow up whether it was DeMar DeRozan, whether it was Derek White, whoever you're talking about. And it set a different tone. It completely allowed the Nuggets to dictate the pace. And that was a very important part of that. And also, he is a energizer bunny. He is like a syringe full of adrenaline for this Nuggets team. So being able to put him into that starting five, it adds the toughness. It adds that energy. And it adds the ability to potentially dictate the pace from the very, very beginning if Torrey Craig is a consistent player. Which we'll talk about a little bit later. We'll see if he can be that consistent player. 
So I think there's a lot of merit to that. I think being able to come out and have a Marcus Smart-esque player, and I'm not saying their skill sets are the same, they're entirely different, but to have that kind of toughness, that kind of, um, that tempo setting kind of a player, someone where you come in and you know exactly that you're going to have to battle from the get-go with him. Those are important players to have in a starting five, especially because the Nuggets starting five does not carry that same level of toughness that Torrey Craig provides or the energy. So I do think there's a lot of merit to that. Um, the third pro to starting Torrey Craig is that you're adding another very high-level rebounder onto the floor, and the Nuggets have been able to be a stronger defense in recent, and basically just last year, because they were grabbing every possible defensive rebound, and they were able to not allow as many three-pointers. Torrey Craig is the physical embodiment of crash the glass and try and limit as many three-point shots as possible. So with him able to do that, you're just adding so much more defensive capability to that team. Um, beyond that, his offensive rebounding is also extremely important because he was one of the best offensive rebounding guards slash forwards in the entire league last year. Giving extra possessions to this Nuggets offense out of the starting unit when you're beginning games is demoralizing for an opponent. So all of those extra energy plays, all of those extra possessions, all of that extra effort on defense is just going to add a different level of toughness to that Nuggets starting five. And then the last thing in terms of a pro that he adds is that he's another high-level athlete to put on the floor. The Nuggets, when you have Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, um, Will Barton, or whoever else at small four, they just didn't have a whole lot of explosion. Gary Harris can get up, but he's not one of those freakish dunkers. You can't throw lobs to him and transition over and over again. Jamal Murray the same way. Will Barton, you can, but he senses because of his injury, they were not able to have that player on the floor. Torrey Craig did add that. It's very important that Nikola Jokic has an athlete to be able to get out and transition with, throw passes above the rim and let him throw it down alley-oop style and kill people with it. Torrey Craig has proven he can do that, and I want to see if he does start if the Nuggets transition opportunities start to increase at a much higher clip because they were a worse transition team than they should have been last year in my opinion. Adding Torrey Craig should definitely help that, but at the same time adding Will Barton would as well. The one thing Will Barton cannot do that Torrey Craig can do um, is turn defense into offense at a consistent clip. Torrey Craig is very fast, has extremely long arms, is very strong, can create turnovers, can run the floor, has endless energy. And because of all of those things with his athleticism, you talk about a transition terror potentially. He was the 72nd percentile in transition last year, if I remember correctly from looking at Synergy 20 minutes ago. But he is a guy who can add a lot in terms of energy, in terms of end-to-end -end movement in terms of just a defensive presence and a toughness of the floor. But it's not all good and dandy when it comes to Torrey Craig, which is why he did not start for most of the year. First off, he needs to prove that his three-point shooting is real. I don't know I, I don't know what version of Torrey Craig is real. I just genuinely don't when it comes to him as a shooter. There were moments during the season last year, basically like January and earlier, where defense were like, screw it. Stand in the corner, try and hit your threes wide open as you want. We're going to play in the paint, and we're going to pack the paint, and we're going to make it very difficult for Nikola Jokic to score down low or hit cutters down low or break down the defense. If Torrey Craig cannot hit those three-point shots, the Nuggets are playing four-on-five half the time, and that simply cannot happen if he is going to be the starter. That is why he has not started, and it is why he is not my likely starter right now. If Torrey Craig 
is the 40% three-point shooter that he was after the All-Star break last year, he should be the starter. I will full stop say that. I am 100% on board with that decision if he's able to be that guy. But he has not been able to be consistent enough. Even last year, despite the fact that he was like a 38 or 37% three-point shooter or whatever he was, he was only 48 of 159 in terms of shooting spot-up opportunities. That's like 30%. That is awful. That is as abysmal as it gets. Then you look at what he shot from three in his first season in 2017-18. He was a 29.3% three-point shooter. Then to start 2018-19, you start talking about the the pre-All-Star version of last year, again, 29.5%. Then the all-star break comes and goes and Tory Craig proceeds to finish the regular season shooting 40.8% from the three-point line and then followed it up with an even crazier 47.2% from the three-point line in the playoffs. Which shooter is Tory Craig? Because I have no idea at this point. If he is a 38% three-point shooter consistently, not 29% in the first half of the year and 42 in the second half, if he can be a consistent 37, 38% three-point shooter, the Nuggets should start him. We'll have to wait and see. It's going to be a lot about how he plays in the preseason, a lot about how Will Barton plays in the preseason, how they both look in camp before they get there. But if he is, if he's able to prove that he can be a consistent three-point threat and teams don't just completely sag off of him, and if they do, if he does knock down those open shots... The Nuggets all of a sudden look like they could be one of the very, very, very rare teams ever in NBA history who can be a top five or top seven defense and top seven offense. That's incredibly rare. And I do think starting Torrey Craig, if he can be that three point shooter, could potentially unlock that version of the Nuggets. If Gary Harris is the Gary Harris of old, if Paul Millsap is still Paul Millsap, and if Jamal Murray takes a leap. So there's a lot to play into all of these conversations, but he needs to be able to hit those open threes. Um, the other thing, in terms of a cons for what he has done, he needs to not have mental lapses. And I know this is it's kind of a... It's hard to quantify this, but there are multiple times where Torrey Craig closes out way too hard at a non-three-point shooter and fouls him by accident. There are so many times in which he just cuts way too far under the basket, receives a pass, and realizes he can't go up with it and then turns the ball over. Little small things like that that he just has to learn to fine-tune out of his game. If he can do that and he starts not hurting the Nuggets in random moments, and he's not playing so fast that he's out of control, it's going to allow the Nuggets to have more of an opportunity to start him and trust him offensively, because right now he's not there. Uh, the third con that I have when it comes to Torrey Craig starting a small forward is that he's purely an off-ball offensive player. He cuts to the rim, he shoots open threes, he offensive rebounds. You can't run a dribble handoff with him and Nikola Jokic. He's not going to bail you out at the end of a shot clock and be able to create a jump shot. He's not someone who can go out out there and run a pick and roll and make plays for other people. He is who he is, and that is a three-point shooting, rim running, offensive rebounding, uh, um, you know, score. He doesn't add a whole lot in terms of on-ball creation, and Will Barton does. And like I said before, it's important that the Nuggets have three players that they can rotate through these dribble handoffs to keep defenses constantly on edge. So that'll be an interesting part. Um, but yes, my take is is that. If there was a player who can push Will Barton out of the starting five, the most likely scenario is that it's Torrey Craig. He'll have to shoot himself into it in terms of hitting a lot of his threes. He'll have to continually add that insane energy and toughness. And if Michael Malone wants to prioritize defense, which Michael Malone almost always wants to prioritize defense, it does make sense that Torrey Craig could potentially start game one. 
This is where the discussion is going to get extremely interesting, and that is where Michael Porter Jr. is in this depth chart, in this rotation. What is he going to add? He is a complete enigma right now for what he can be. Honestly, he is the potential superstar who could give the Nuggets everything they could ever hope for at the small poor, at the small forward position, but he's played three games since high school, and they were all at the college level, two of which while he was hurt. There is no way of knowing what the Nuggets are going to get from him. There is absolutely no way. Don't get me wrong, there are pros. He has legitimate guard skills at 6'11", while being extremely mobile and freakishly athletic with a picture-perfect jump shot. He has length. He has the lateral quickness to be a, a good defender, plays way above the rim, a lob threat who can get out in transition. There are so many exciting things about what he could bring to the table, but no one has any idea what he's going to look like. No one has any idea if he can stay healthy. No one has any idea if he'll buy into a smaller role because he's only played three games since high school, and he's just a complete unknown. There is no way to quantify what Michael Porter Jr. is going to be when training camp kicks off in 14 days. I have have genuinely no idea. So because of that, until he plays, he is a complete non-factor in my eyes. It is why I do not have him high on this list. It's why I don't believe that he will be the potential um, usurper to grab the starting small forward position from Will Barton. I just don't believe that we will be able to have enough information on Michael Porter Jr. for him to elevate himself to a starting small forward position at any point until around the All-Star break at the best. He just needs to prove that he can do, that he can just play basketball. He he has not played professional basketball or just organized basketball since he played at Missouri with a broken back. We don't know what he is. So everyone who really wants Michael Porter Jr. to start, I just don't get it yet. It'd be very nice if he was able to be that guy. I, he just has to show it. And I, I'm not willing to put any kind of expectations on him until we actually see something from him. So there were a, I, I took a bunch of questions, and I'm going to get into like eight of them later on, but there was like four, no, there were five that were directly related to Michael Porter Jr. So I'm going to answer those questions now as opposed to later because maybe it will shed a little bit more light on what he could, on what he could potentially bring because as it stands, there is no actual substance to what he could be, to what he is, and to what he could bring to the Nuggets. So Let's just jump into the questions. Uh, Zach Seeger sent three questions in. What do you believe MP MPJ's impact will be? I've said this a couple times. At best, to start the season, I would have him in the Trey Lyles role. Play 10 to 15 minutes, depending on how well you're playing. Play some play some power four off the bench, some small forward. Be able to learn the intricacies of the game and slowly work his way into being an NBA player. So that's the impact. That's the role that I see him playing. And then the next question was, do you ever see him reaching his potential? I would put it at a 5% chance. Honestly. I, I And this is, again, it's speculation because we don't know anything. The fact is, is that Michael Porter Jr. again has played three games since high school, two of which he was hurt, and his ceiling is, you know, you're talking Paul George-esque player as his absolute everything goes right ceiling, but to go from where he is now, someone who hasn't even played a summer league game yet, and to get all the way up to that caliber of player, a potential All NBA player, no, I, I five percent is where I'm at, and he will, and he has a very good chance to prove me wrong if he stays healthy. But I just don't believe until I see something. That's really where I'm at. 
Um, moving forward, Mike, the Mizzou fan asked over under 40 games played and over under eight points per game. I'm going to take the over on eight points per game. Cause I think he is going to get as many shots in as he can when he plays off the bench. So I'm going to take the over on the points per game. I'm going to take the under on the games played. Because of the amount of injuries that he's had and because he has not played professional basketball, his body is not going to be ready for the NBA. And I would imagine there will be some kind of injury that he deals with just because his body hasn't undergone that kind of strain of playing professional basketball ever. Don't get me wrong. Yes, he played at Missouri. It's not the same level, though, and he was playing hurt and he only played three games. So I... (laughs) I'm taking under on 40 games, taking over on eight points per game. Uh, Nate Walrith asked, too early, but how many minutes and what kind of role do you think MPJ plays? As I said, that Trey Lyles role, 10 to 15 minutes a game. Go play on the wing, whether you're a stretch floor or a pure three, and just let, let him work himself into the game. Really let him become an NBA player. Octavian Walker says, um, do you see MPJ playing big minutes uh, for game one or even starting? So I do think I have to answer this question, despite the fact that I don't believe he's going to be anything until he is, but Michael Porter Jr. has the skills, he has the right kind of, he has the size, and he has the right fit to potentially break his way into that starting rotation for game one. Depending on how small of a percentage chance that is, it's completely up for argument. I'd put it like a 10% chance that he even has a chance to start. Um, But again, he has the right skills, he has the right frame, and he fits what the Nuggets need in a way that, sure, if every last possible thing went perfect, there was no injuries, he's hitting all of his shots, He's showing that he'll try hard on defense. He's rebounding the ball. He's showing off his guard skills. He's willing to take a smaller role with that starting lineup. Sure, there is an opportunity. I just don't believe... I'm going to go less. I'm going to go 5% that he even has a chance to start game one. Um, yeah, that's that's all the questions I got about Michael Porter Jr. For some reason, I had two in here twice. Um, but still, my take is, until he plays basketball, he is a non-factor. All right, I know it's been long-winded. We're already at 35 minutes of this podcast, but it is time to talk about Juancho Hernan Gomez, who is the dark horse candidate to start at small forward. The only reason he's on this list, in my opinion, is because he showed a lot at FIFA World Cup. When I say a lot, I mean a lot. So, Juancho Hernan Gomez's biggest issues has been health. He has not been able to stay healthy which has led to an inconsistency inconsistency as a scorer and also his ability that he is not a good defender. So, taking that, those conversations about what he struggles with, at FIBA, he had 40% of his threes, he stayed healthy the entire time despite having off-season core muscle surgery, and he defended much better than I have ever remembered him defending. So because he happened to check all three of those boxes in an eight-game stretch at the FIBA World Cup, the conversation around Wancho Hernan Gomez has shifted. This is my take. If you're looking for offensive output, it's hard for me to justify Wancho Hernan Gomez over Will Barton because Wa- because Will Barton just adds so many more skills to the offensive repertoire. On the other hand, Wancho Hernan Gomez does know his role. He will not be getting in the way or anything like that. Um, he is also a good three-point shooter, so he'll stretch the floor, and he is bigger 
than Will Barton is. Being six foot eight with you know a little bit over two hundred pounds to be able to actually deal with some of these bigger wing players is an advantage. But again, he's a bad defender. He has been streaky as a shooter, and he has not been able to stay healthy. So he has to prove those things wrong. I don't think that he has. I think he has less of a chance to start day one than even Michael Porter Jr. does. In my opinion, to start day one, I think it's a Will Barton versus Torrey Craig race. But I do believe that Juancho Hernan Gomez could make a run throughout the season to eventually be become the starting small forward. He has the talent level to do it. Anybody who says that Walter Hernan Gomez does not have the ceiling to be that person is badly mistaken. Sure, he hasn't lived up to it yet. That's why he's not that guy. But he has the size. He has the athletic ability. He has the horizontal and lateral quickness to be a decent defender. He has shown he can get up athletically and dunk on people. He can play above the rim. He is a sniper from three when he is healthy, but all of those things come with the caveat that he has not been able to stay consistent, he has not stayed healthy, and he has already been a bad defender. So if he can break those molds, which he has taken a gigantic first step towards already, no one has won FIBA World Cup like Wancho has in terms of the Nuggets, but... If he's going to break into that that starting five, he needs to have improved defense, consistent shooting, stay healthy in a very, very good camp. And he has gotten off on the right foot. That FIBA World Cup was everything he needed and then some. So we'll have to wait and see, but I don't believe that he is in that race as of right now. So we'll have to wait and see. That is the small forward conversation. If you've managed to get this far already, I appreciate you because that was a long-winded small forward conversation, but let's keep it moving. Let's dive into a bunch of questions from listeners because that is my favorite thing to do on this show, and I haven't done it recently enough, Um, so I'm going to try and get back into the the, you know, just the rhythm of taking questions more often. So let's just get off from the start. Andy Jewett asks, does Will Barton know everyone on the team is getting better and that his spot may not be secure? I feel like when he's locked in, we are a team of destiny, but when he is not, we have question marks. I would absolutely say that Will Barton knows exactly what is coming up for him this season. When I talked to him again, when I did the podcast about his album, Unexpected, he told me, he was like, I, he fully understands that this team is growing around him, and he needs to grow as well. And Will Barton is never one just to let things happen. He goes out and attacks and tries to get better every day. He has a ridiculous work ethic, and I do believe that he will find his way back. But he does understand the levity of this situation he is currently in, in my opinion. I don't want to speak for Will, but from what I have gathered from talking with him is that he understands the gravity of this. He understands that a lot of things went ridiculously wrong for him last year, and this is his opportunity to right those wrongs. So I do think he fully understands that that is a very real circumstance for him to deal with. Moving on, Danny K asked, do you think Jokic will lead the league in triple doubles now that Harden has to share a court with Westbrook? I love this question because it's really interesting to me. So first of all, the only way Russell Westbrook is going to suddenly not get as many triple doubles is because of the assists. Is he a, is he going to be able to generate enough looks for his teammates with 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 James Harden having the ball in his hands so much to get there? I don't think he will. So Russell Westbrook had 26 triple doubles last year. James Harden had 7. Nikola Jokic had 11. I would put the odds at 35% that Nikola Jokic leads the league in triple doubles next year. Um, assists will be easier to come by for Nikola Jokic. He'll also be playing more small ball with Jeremy Grant um, around, so less Mason Plumley, Nikola Jokic lines, which means more rebounds for him. Um, but still, there are going to be some interesting other players. So I do think LeBron James is going to have one hell of a resurgent year. So LeBron could stack up triple doubles like it's his job, and we're going to see how that goes. Uh, Luka Doncic had like nine last year, so I would 
would not be surprised if Luka came into this season and had more triple doubles. And then let's keep it going. Giannis Antetokounmpo. This is another guy who had a lot of triple doubles last year and could potentially continue on that trajectory this year. Russ and Harden are not just going to suddenly not create that kind of production anymore. So I do think there's a lot of players who are going to make it difficult for him. Um, I think that I would take LeBron, then Nikola Jokic, then Russell Westbrook, then Luka, then Harden in terms of total triple-double throughout the season. But I would put 35% chance that Jokic can be the guy to really jump up in there. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. He'll have a lot of opportunities to be able to get triple-doubles this season. Moving forward, Vivid Dreams asked, if anyone was to be traded this season, who do you think it would be? I, there are Honestly, there are only three players that I think are like really like legitimately has to worry if a star player becomes available. Uh, so first of all, Gary Harris and Will Barton, those are the two names you're going to hear a lot about because Jamal Murray has a poison pill provision in his contract after signing the extension. What that means is that if the Nuggets were to trade Jamal Murray, it would have to be the same salary incoming as outgoing for what Jamal's salary is this year, which is still his rookie contract, which is like three and a half million or whatever it is. But the team that is taking Jamal Murray's contract has to have enough cap space, not just going to the tax, but legitimate cap space to take in his extension next year. So that is virtually impossible to trade. Because of that, Gary Harris immediately becomes the next uh, prospect that teams are going to want to ask for as opposed to Jamal Murray. In addition to that, Gary Harris's contract, um, being what is it, $18 million a year or whatever it is, is a very tradable amount of money. To match salaries, you need those kinds of contracts that are $18 million or so, which is also why Will Barton's name is on this list, because Will Barton making twelve point seven this year or whatever it is, is a very tradable contract in terms of total value of it to match salary. Um, the last player I have on this list is Mason Plumley, and it's because he has like a $13 million expiring contract. And with Jeremy Grant now in Denver and the Nuggets probably wanting to play him at some uh, small ball five, maybe some Millsap at small ball five and Nikola Jokic playing 34 minutes a night, there just isn't really room for Mason Plumley. So that expiring contract could potentially become a good trade chip to get a pick or clear out some room, take back other players. So Mason Plumley will just be a a, a, a useful player to trade if the Nuggets wanted to make a trade. Um, with that being said, the Nuggets will not just make a move to make a move. That is not who they are. I'm going to include Fat Cola's question into this one right now as well, which was, will the roster look more or less the same in April as it does now? So the Nuggets do not just make trades to make trades. I do not expect that to happen. But I do think that there is a decent chance that this roster does look different going into the playoffs. First off, there's a reason that 15th roster spot is open, and it's because the Nuggets like the flexibility of it. They can take back more players than they send out in trade. If a star player becomes available, they can go test the buyout market later on if they wanted to, to add a veteran to go when they when the Nuggets are gearing up for the playoffs. So I there is a high likelihood, I wouldn't say high, there is a chance that the Nuggets roster will look different. But this Nuggets team, this Nuggets front office, is not going to abandon this young core that they built just to trade people. So I would be very surprised if a massive deal did did happen that did not net a big-time star player like Bradley Beal. I would be surprised if it was just a middling kind of deal that was more of a lateral move. The Nuggets, I don't think, will make a move like that. But adding someone to the buyout market or trying to trade for a star player, I think that's very much so in the cards for the Nuggets. Um, Colorado sports fan asked, are you concerned at all about the overuse of our players in the FIBA World Cup tournament? Will they have enough time for their bodies to recover? So, first off, I don't think that 
there there should ever be a situation in where a team tells a player he is not allowed to play for his home country. So before we go any further with if they played too much, I want to get that out of the way. It is the player's decision if they want to play for their home country, full stop. Moving from that, Nikola Jokic only played 22.6 minutes a game, and it was almost entirely against Ben Shunas because he only started like four games. So for me, Nikola Jokic was not used very intensely. So I think Nikola should be all right. He might He's going to be more tired than if he was just resting the entire time. But I don't think he was overused to the extreme that you have to worry about that. Uh, Mason Plumlee played 46 total minutes in eight games. Not worried about that. Wancho Hernan Gomez played more minutes than most of them. He played like 28 a game or whatever it was. Um, but he needed that in my opinion. Him playing in the World Cup like this and going all out and being a starter for Spain and hitting his open jump shots, getting to the rim, throwing down 360 dunks, getting chased down blocks, those are the kinds of things that he needed to rejuvenate that confidence within him and remind himself that he is healthy. So, Overall, I thought the Nuggets came out fantastic from the from the World Cup. No one got hurt. No one played an insane amount. And the one player who did play more than the others needed the confidence boost from playing. And he won gold in the meantime. So, for me, all of that's kosher. Does not bother me at all. Um, I do wonder about Nikola Jokic, though. Nikola Jokic might be kind of tired. Nikola Jokic is not exactly the most... Um, I would not call him a fitness instructor. Let's put it that way. He can play 65 minutes in a playoff game, so I'm not going to sit here and question his ability to play minutes. Don't get me wrong about that. But I would not say he's extremely excited about going right back into training camp again. That's probably very tiring after all of that and being relied upon and all of the downfall and demise that Serbia dealt with in the World Cup. So I am curious to see what Nikola Jokic is like at media day, just in terms of his mental sp uh, space as it currently stands. Um, it's going to be a very interesting thing to see. Moving on, though. Last question. El Carg on Twitter asked, with no Mark Price, because Mark Price is no longer with the Nuggets, who is the shooting coach? What can that person do to increase percentage? So for the second part of the question about, about what you can do to increase percentage, I don't want to answer that because literally every single player is entirely different. So there's not any kind of set form way for me to tell you about how they can increase uh, f you know, shooting percentages. But what I can say is that the reason Malik Beasley took such a gigantic step as a shooter last year was because of Charles Klask. The assistant coach, Charles Klask, has been awesome with Malik. They were good. I mean, I used to get to games really early because I just like being in gyms, and normally players don't come out and start warming up to about 4.45 at the earliest. Malik Beasley and Charles Klask were out on the court at 4 p.m. every single game getting an extra, an extra 100 shots up or whatever. He worked with Malik endlessly, and we all saw what turned in from that. So I do believe that Charles Klask can step into that pseudo-shooting coach role. I don't know if the Nuggets will hire another shooting coach, I don't, but Charles Klask can absolutely be that guy. That's it. That was a long-winded podcast, almost an hour long. Thank you guys so much for listening and sticking around. I tried to shorten it a little bit, but I think I failed miserably. But we'll see. Thank you guys for listening, though. We'll talk again in the near future. Make sure to go subscribe. Make sure to comment. Make sure to rate it on iTunes and Google Podcasts and Spotify and all that fun stuff. Share it on Twitter. All of that stuff really, really, really helps this show get bigger and better. So... Thank you to everyone who has been continually sharing this podcast. I hope there are more and more of you that are going to continually start climbing out of the woodwork. But until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Have a great rest of your day.